0: win, a clean sheet, but questions answered. I guess that's up to you to decide. Welcome to this week's edition of the pinken.com Norris City Podcast in association with Future Radio, brought to you after another Norwich City win, which is which is rare and nice. We uh, we get to do two of these off the back of that. Uh, I'm Connor Southwell, joined by Samuel Seaman. We've both been at Car Road this afternoon. Um, I'm not sure that was a joyful experience, but we'll, we'll get into the, the whys and where nots. Um, in a moment. There's only two of us, as you can tell. Our uh, esteemed colleagues, Paddy Davitt, who's off in Portugal, enjoying some uh, well-deserved sunshine over a long weekend. And uh, Adam Harvey, the most cultured man in Norfolk, who has uh, been to Mauritius. But I'm assured that both are going to be back for Watford uh, and, and on the road for the hard yards. But uh, it is me and Sam for, for uh, this week's pod. And we've got plenty to discuss. be it Ben Napper's arrival. We've got the opportunity to meet him over the international break. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll of course start though with that victory over QPR. Sam, uh, we'll, we'll delve into the performance in a moment, but the result Norwich's first clean sheet in, in eight games, um, without delving into the performance because I know we're both <laughs> eager to do that. Uh, yeah. A win, six points from from six. Easy as that. Corner turn for Norwich City, isn't it? A jest, of course. Uh, in terms of result, though, yeah. really, really important for, for Norwich City and David Wagner, probably one that eases the pressure rather than, than answers the questions. I
1: think David Wagner is is probably the happiest man concerning Norwich City at the moment, and that probably tells you about uh, the fact that it was a result of a performance. Really, as he said, we'll we'll get into it. But um, on the surface, there were some people worrying about relegation trouble two games ago, and I think those fears have probably significantly quietened so uh, in the short term they needed to get up the table and they needed to probably arrest any significant fears that uh, that Norwich was sliding back towards League One which um, would have been obviously absolutely perilous especially considering the, the financial situation they were in so that for me was the priority results wise it's a, a pretty grim one but I, I still don't think they've shown enough to really to really suggest that they could push for the playoffs, albeit Josh sergeant's return and other related boosts could help them do that, but I think at the moment um on the results sort of short term side of things, you have to look at it as as avoiding some of the more perilous areas of the the table and and for now that's what they've done with with two wins theoretically they should be able to go and make that a little bit better against uh, Watford and Bristol City, who are both in sort of similar mid-table positions. I spoke to David Wagner about about that and asked him that going into this game, and he said he was only focused on on QPR. But for fans, I'm sure they would have looked at these three games especially and uh, looked at probably three opportunities to, to go and improve the situation in the short term. I don't think he's won over too many people with the with today's events and with the result today and probably when we get into discussing the the performance the reasons behind that will become quite clear Um, but for results for the short term for as I said getting out of that position which probably he could be bashed over the head with it's very very big for for David Wagner because it's a lot harder admittedly it's not it's not a great position to be in uh, as Norwich City head coach, but it's definitely easier to criticise somebody by saying you're 17th in the championship than by saying you're, you're 13th. I think, which is, I don't know whether that's where they are now, but that's certainly where they were at one point when they were winning. So, um, yeah, in that sense, a lot better for for David Wagner, but I'm sure this podcast will go swiftly downhill when we we discuss the performance.
0: Well, the uh, the the giddy of those um, out there will realise that Norwich sit currently four points off the playoffs, which I think says probably more about the championship than it does about anything else. That that feels, I've kind of described it at the moment as believing in fairies, that, that top six one. Anyone who's kind of watched the last two months, and I, I guess maybe I'd even bundle in the last two performances uh, at Cardiff, which barring a, a four-minute spell was, was stodgy, I think, at best. And we spoke about that in the, in the last podcast we did. And, and certainly this one, which um, we'll, we'll delve into now. I, I think, you know, it's... Because there, there will be people listening to this, watching this, I'm sure, who will go, Norwich City one. that's good, why, you know, why do we need to worry about performances? But I, I think that there is an element of this, and I referenced it in my verdicts, and I think we, we spoke about it beforehand as well. It, when, when you win a game of football as a, as a team... As a, as a one-off, and it can happen. This there's, there's, chance is a massive thing in football. So you can you can get a bit of luck. Huang Yuzhou can beat an offside trap. Gabriel Sara can play a wonderful piece of pass. That's that's quality as well as as well as luck. But there can be fortune in it as well. Um, and it could be argued I no, haven't been on that. But but what I'm saying is chance plays a massive percentage in how football outcomes are decided. There is only so much that you can control but one of the elements that you can control is how you play and uh, the way you set up and stylistically and uh, and I guess this this probably lends into this performance because I think we, we've seen um, the science, if, if you want to use that terminology, is that if you can consistently perform on a high level, results follow. I think Middlesbrough maybe, maybe are a good example this season in terms of a really poor start of the season, but actually were performing much better than their results. And I think inevitably you get to a stage where results begin to catch up with performances. If you want a Norwich example, I guess the, probably the best way to to say that is the uh, start of the 18-19 title winning campaign where Norwich went, what one win in, in six, but their performances were much, much better than that. And I think eventually we saw that take place. So that's that's kind of the the premise and, and the foundations of this discussion that I want to have really because I don't want this to make it seem like we're we're being critical for the sake of being critical. I think there's an element of of certainly me. I, I like to look at performances maybe even more than results in some cases. But um, I think you can say which is which is where I think we we are today in in terms of this podcast and say result good good result winning a football match is always good irrespective of how you do it what level. Uh, it, it's irrespective, you know, how, when, you, when you kind of um, walk out and the players walk out onto the pitch, they go out there to win a game. Fans turn up to see their team win a game. So all of that is very, very good. But then you've got maybe the, the other layer to that, which is performance. You can have situations where you perform really well, which is why maybe performance, I think, is, is a better long-term indicator of a team's ability to have success. You can play really well and you can lose. You can play really poorly yeah. and you can win. This yeah. is where we get into the chance element of it. Today, Sam, I think we saw the latter, didn't we? This was a poor Norwich City performance, but a win. They had one shot on target. QPR had more. Um, I know David Wagner wanted to, to discuss the clean sheet, first and eight, as I mentioned. But, of course, I think part of that lends into what is a QPR team who scored 11 goals and, and, and looked pretty, pretty poor in, in those attacking areas. Yeah. Samfield could have nicked a point. Yeah. Um, but but that's how I wanted to frame this this discussion because I know there will be people who are eager to say, well, you know, you're you're criticising for the sake of being critical, but purely on performance, which isn't how games are won. This wasn't this wasn't great for Norwich City. Hopefully, I've caveated that enough.
1: No, yeah, I I think you've uh, you've struck the right balance. Of course, we understand how important results are in football, but now especially is a time to look at the performances that Norwich City are are putting in and. Um, yeah, at the moment they don't look great. You have to remember, you know, as you said, we'll get into him and his arrival. But looking more at Ben Nipp- Ben Nappa's arrival as a context in which to look at the way that they're playing at the moment. Performances are important because he's trying to judge a head coach. He's trying to judge players. You know, you can look at results, but for the long term, the long term picture of this football club, performances are an easier assessor. And the more accurate assessor, because otherwise the new sporting director you don 't even need a sporting director that 's at Colney that 's at Car Road. You could just get somebody who 's good with numbers and could look at the the results and the stats and the table. you know Ben Napper has arrived at Cara Road and came earlier than expected so that he could watch these things, and that 's why performance is so important and why we 're I think focusing on it, especially at the at the moment. There seems a lot of chat at the moment about how even the best teams grind out wins, even Manchester City, even Daniel Farke's Norwich side. And, and were... they do,
0: and sorry to jump in, they, they do, absolutely, and, and, yeah. and, and Leeds are a good, I guess Leicester maybe are a yeah. good, I think they've won games this season and not necessarily performed that well, yeah. which, whether, that, whether they can do that over the long term because they've got better players remains yeah. to be seen, but, the point with those type of victories is if they're littered in a, in a run, let's say you drop that win in the middle of a, a Daniel Farker. T- I don't want to keep going back to those type yeah, winning yeah, campaigns, yeah. but it's an apt example, Norwich City example to use. I guess you could use Man City as well. Yeah. If you grind out grind out a 1-0 win like that and you have one shot on target at home and that is kind of the... That's one in six or one in seven. Correct. Exactly. But the other five have been really good, yeah, solid yeah, performances. Yeah. You can kind of accept that yeah. and accept that there's going to be a dip in performance. When it's not the... Exception, it's kind of the rule. Yeah, that's well, that's that's when the yeah. long term question this comes This is why into I'm it.
1: saying we, we're speaking so much about it, and yeah. why it's so important, yeah. and why Norwich fans are, are really focused on that at the moment. I think because they're trying to look to a future that's better than where they are now. It's not like this is where Norwich want to be and they need to get the results to sustain where they are. What we, as journalists, what what fans is, are doing, what people internally in the club who are trying to improve things are doing is looking at things and going, OK, they're at this negative place. They want to get towards the top of the table. How can they change the performance to try and do that? Because, as you said, you can't control results. It's down to chance. So I think it's important that we focus on that at the moment. But, yeah, just to come back to actually focusing on the performance and, uh, yeah, it was a, a pretty poor one defensively. I suppose it was okay. They did only really concede one chance that you'd expect KPR to to go and score, uh, and that was in in sort of added time. I suppose you could say also that most teams have good chances that they miss in every game. Even in that that win over Manchester City in in 2019, when everybody spoke about you know the the greatest win of a, a lifetime sort of thing, there were good chances that you know some of the best players of the world missed in that game. So. You have to remember that players do miss chances, and there is a certain margin of error. So, although I think Norwich were on the the side of chance in, in some ways, I I'm not sure QPR were really the better side, or, or I don't think QPR definitely. I think a draw would have been a, fair a draw. Error. Probably would yeah. have been would have been fair. Um, but QPR were a poor side, and if Norwich put in this performance against any side, for me, probably in the in the the Championship's top ten, they would have deserved to lose. So, you have to you have to bear in mind all those caveats. Also, defensively, we can look at it as a fairly strong performance. And I tr- I sort of tried to ask Danny Bart this post-match and, uh, and I, I think maybe it wasn't the simplest question to sort of uh, comprehend. But I didn't feel like it was the type of defensive performance that can happen while you're playing well in an attacking sense. I don't think, had they been committing more players forward and attacking with more ferocity and getting up the pitch quicker, I don't think they could have sustained the same solidity defensively that they had. So this wasn't a team that was performing on one side, was unlucky or or struggling on the other, and just managed to scrape through with the one side. For me, this was a setup that you couldn't replicate if you were at your best attack-wise. So I don't think we can look at this one and say, okay, it was 1-0, but if Josh Sargent was in the team, it would have been 3-0. You might want to look at it as... Okay, it was 1-0, but if Josh Sargent was in the team and Norwich were attacking more, it might have been 3-2, you know? So I think there are probably a few different elements that mean that couldn't have been replicated. Um, Yeah, it just felt so stale. There just wasn't really much going on. Um, Obviously, I was on the live blog for this one and it was actually quite hard to to try and produce things and uh, to try and... Tell the story of a game that basically wasn't happening. It was, I think, I said uh, on Twitter or, or X as it is now. Um, afterwards, that was possibly the most boring game that I've I've reported on. Bearing in mind, I started uh, sort of a year and a half ago <laughs> when they were in the midst of, or maybe just after they got relegated from the Premier League, and <laughs> things have only really been going downhill from there. For this to be the most boring game in that run, probably tells you quite a lot about what it was but it was just absolute nothingness throughout and you just wanted to see somebody try and grab hold of it whether that be a Norwich player whether it be the the system Wagner making some bolder changes or trying to do something tactically with it but I suppose they got the goal the onus wasn't really on them to go and, and make something happen perhaps it was more on, on QPR to go and do that but before the goal, it's not like it was coming and coming and coming. That goal, remember, was against the runner play. QPR, spent quite a lot of time. Although they struggled with chance creation, and you can probably put this down to their attack, as you said, only 11 goals. They struggled for that incisive pass, but before that, they were quite comfortably finding their mm. way to the edge of the, Nor- the Norwich area. Elias Chair was skipping past players and finding himself 30 yards out quite easily. So Norwich weren't exactly impenetrable. Um, it was just the fact that QPR up against a, a block of eight or nine players couldn't find a way through, and that probably says more given the amount of possession they had about their lack of quality. So I don't think it was the sort of performance that you could go and, and replicate on. It's not just because it's boring, it's not just that fans probably weren't excited by that football, it's the fact that even if they wanted to go on and and use this as a blueprint to go forward and try and win every game 1-0, I don't think this would be an effective way to do it at championship level. Certainly not for a team that wants to be promoted, as David Wagner has continually um, suggested, is the idea. So, yeah, performance-wise, I'm I'm not really uh, convinced. I know you probably got to watch more of it um, today than you, you do a lot of the time which was in, in many ways probably a, a, a bit of a curse so I, I don't know what you made of it but I'm assuming it was pretty much the same really
0: yeah yeah pr- pretty much the same I, f- I thought it was it was two sides who looked quite low on confidence I think there's there's there's, there's an interesting dynamic with QPR because um Marty Cifentes is has come in and is is tried to basically overhaul what what they did yeah. under Ainsworth they they had the lowest kind of pass per sequence of of, of any team in the EFL really they were very direct uh very Uh, long ball they were um, in your face they wanted to run harder and 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 be aggressive and all of that and he certainly from from the last two games that they've shown it was interesting post-match he he described this this performance as um, the best of uh, of his tenure so far um, in terms of the way that they've played but I think there's there's quite clearly some some attacking issues in there but um, certainly in two-thirds of uh, of the pitch certainly between boxes I think you could say I thought QPR were a lot more comfortable in possession than, yeah. than Norwich. Not that they were necessarily incisive with that possession, not necessarily that it led to a flurry of, of chances. I think they they probably had enough chances, I, I would maybe say, maybe not enough quality chances, but um, Powell flashed a couple of shots across the goal. And Nikai Kai had one um, across the goal as well. Chair curled a shot into George Long's arms. There was one that was parried in, in the second half. So they did have chances. Sam Fields was, was the best that they, they had. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, f- I thought particularly in possession it was really stodgy from Norwich. I thought QPR set up pretty well to prevent them from from playing out in maybe the way that they would like. That forced them a little bit longer. It made the game quite attritional at points. Um, and yeah, the the one moment of quality really was was the one that Gabriel Sara produced to Huang. And I think what we are seeing as a positive is is, is Huang beginning to develop a bit more of a relationship with those two central midfielders, which has been which has been good to see. And, and Sara, who um, again had a couple of moments and a couple of cheap concessions. That's the type of quality that you can yeah. produce—a pass with with an ex, just just enough backspin on it and and enough loft on it. Brilliant bit of technique and and, and Huang. I, I have to. I haven't seen the goal back yet, but in real time, it looked to me like Begovic presented him with quite a lot of the goal, but uh, a, a, a tidy finish nonetheless. And we'll come back to him a little bit later because it's obviously been uh, interesting time for him. But you, you're right, and, and and that's the point you mentioned it there. Sustainability—that's the point that I keep coming back to because. Um, and it was interesting. I spoke to David Vart, you spoke to him pre-match, I spoke to him post-match and he was making a big play of the, the defensive improvement and you know, in many ways I agree with him because the, 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 uh, the events that we saw at Cardiff and actually of games gone by where opposition were scoring goals at will and... They were scoring two, Norwich have conceded two goals a game roughly prior to this game. So you're essentially then asking Norwich City to go and score three to, to, to win any game of football. And and you talk about sustainable, that's definitely unsustainable. So there's definitely a need to tie, tighten up and, and improve what they're doing defensively. The transitional element of their game has, has been poor. And there were some signs of that today at points, although I don't think QPR were as ruthless as other opponents have been. Blackburn, for example, Sunland for, for example. Um, so there is an argument to suggest that for sustainability purposes and improvement purposes, Norwich City needed to improve that defence. But you're, you're totally right in what you say. I, I just don't feel that that was um, a defensive performance that was born of real grit and, and Norwich, they, they defended their central area well, but QPR didn't flood that area particularly well. I didn't think Lyndon Dykes presented that much of a threat in behind, so they weren't particularly stretched. Um, and, and so in that regard, it felt quite comfortable for them. Um, and that's why, particularly when you add that to the attacking element, less possession, which, as I've said in my verdict, it doesn't necessarily mean much. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that you haven't had control of the game, but I don't think Norwich did have control of it, really. Um, but that sustainability point is the one that keeps irking at me and, and, and the one that you've mentioned as well. I just, If you replicate this performance over the next three or four games, I don't know how many points Norwich would yeah, pick up, really if I'm being honest. And that's, that's the fear that, that I have. They, they may well do that, but... But but that but that is the fear that I have. But but also I think the the wider point I guess um, to to continue this kind of conversation around performances is uh, and maybe this lends a little, to a little bit more of kind of style of play and stylistics and and how David Wagner is setting the team up at the moment. I, I feel like there's quite a lot of contradiction, and by contradiction I mean in terms of the way that. He had success at Norwich City at the start of this season, the way he was setting them up. High octane, high energy, aggressive, go and press teams, um, dynamic, try and create these situations that are almost like counter-attacks that aren't quite yeah. counter-attacks by inviting a team to press. Obviously, there are some teams who haven't been doing that, and so you have to find a different route, fine. Um, but it, it hasn't been a what we have kind of developed, certainly in recent weeks, and I get it because you, you're in a run of form, you're a head coach, you're fighting to save your job, fighting to maybe get a result as, uh, as well there is an instinct to go back to something that's a little bit more attritional in terms of hunting for results but this performance is radically different from what Norwich City were doing during that really good run at the start of the season so that's that's one contradiction which you know lends into the debate I think we had after Sunderland in terms of when when you're a head coach and you kind of veer away from your principles I keep using Daniel Farker's name, but again, it's a really good comparison in terms of what he did at the start of that Premier League campaign against Leeds. You don't really have anywhere to kind of transition into and and to gear into because you become a head coach that kind of lives game to game. That's not a a sustainable way in the the long term, again, to to use that term. Um, And and then also I, I feel a contradiction between the way that he set the team up and we've, we've obviously only had a little snippet of Ben Napper in terms of a club interview but he spoke about uh, control and, and, and his um, wanting a Norwich City team to in the future of course and, and under his era to be protagonists to play uh, attacking football to be bold yeah. that's a contradiction with what we saw today and, uh, and probably for certainly the first half at Cardiff and for what we've seen for a, a prolonged period of time so I get, I guess this probably lends into a wider debate around how long these kind of contradictions can exist and whether David Wagner can let them exist for a long time. Because I, I'm sure if he was sat next to you, he'd be making the case saying, well, hang on a minute, guys. You know, we've taken, before this game, we're taking seven points from 30. We've been on the run of one, one win in 10. I need to do something to change the yeah. result. So there, there is always a short-termism element to it. But there's also a lot of contradictions and I guess for him it's about how long you can let those contradictions exist before they become problematic in in terms of that long-term debate again.
1: Yeah, it is quite a difficult uh, balance for him to strike. I suppose it comes down to the strength of his belief that this type of football is required to to get results because if he 100% absolutely believes the way to win this game against QPR is sit behind the ball, defend, don't really attack... um, and he thinks that if they don't play that way, they'll probably lose the game. It's very, very difficult for somebody who's been under significant pressure, knew he was under pressure going into this one, to go, OK, well, you know, principles are important and I want to show that I've got the right principles to be here long term. So I'm just going to admit that we're going to lose this game, but I'm going to try and impress the sporting director. So I understand from that point of view why, if you really do have beliefs that strong, it would be difficult um, to, to stray away from them. But equally, he's got to help himself a little bit in that, you know, we can't really be around the bush. Everybody expects when a new sporting director comes to a club that they employ their own head coaches. That's the history of how the role has, has worked, is that sporting directors want somebody who they can they can work with and who embodies their ideas. That's exactly what Stuart Webber did when he came in the club, admittedly, obviously. Alex Neal had already left, but it was very much his his uh his job to go and find somebody who will go and, and replicate the style of football that he thought could take the club forward. Um and you look at things with Napa, he's said all the things that you've obviously highlighted. He's spoken about this this style of football and the fact that he wants to be front foot. You look at the background he's come from, the influences that he's had. He's not been a it's not just like you look at Arsenal and you say, "Okay, Mikel Arteta's been the manager for the last few years. This guy's been at Arsenal for well, a decade, or, or maybe longer than that. And before that was Unai Emery, who also likes this similar sort of attacking football. Before that, it was Arsene Wenger, who, like, especially in that era, before sort of Pep Guardiola. He,
0: he played well, at Uni under Graham Potter, who's yeah. similarly progressive. So there is that. It's got record.
1: that whole lineage of of managers and influences and people he's worked with who played that style and who he, he will be influenced by and then he comes to this club he speaks about attacking football and I didn't really expect him to say possession because we all know that's not really what Wagner stands for and,
0: and it's not always necessarily you know, no, as you can, said you, you can, can get play attacking control football in different ways yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah you're right but all of that is at odds with the way that Wagner is doing things at the moment um, you know all of it is is contrasting with, with how Wagner's setting up and you just think with, ev- with how everyone's looking at this appointment and how everyone's feeling like it might be inevitable, ugh, surely Wagner's tempted to do himself some favours But is,
0: But is that, again, again, sorry to jump in, but right. is, is that the culture that's been created because of how this change has happened, because of the... Conversations that's been had around because of that perception that you spoke about in terms of sporting directors coming in and um, you know everyone viewing that as oh well they're going to make a change yeah. and, and that was the perception when Norwich bought his start date yeah. forward all the fans went oh well he's coming in to sack him there yeah. that clearly hasn't been the case and is not the case and he's going to take a bit more time than that as is right I think yeah. but as a head coach does that create almost like a self preservation because it is it's such a difficult job to do it's a it's a short term job really yeah. we we all know that particularly in modern football. Um, so is is there an element now that he's he's kind of kicked into survival mode almost? I suppose so, but in a way that just highlights even more why him and
1: Napa might not work especially well if his survival mode, if his instinct is is go and, and defend for your life and put out the the. Or obvious... if that
0: gets results.
1: <laughs> well, it's a difficult question. This is this is the thing, right? This is why it's not an easy one for Wagner. I'm not necessarily criticising him for making this decision. I'm just trying to highlight the two sides of it. and you know, I spoke, obviously, about the fact that I understand if he fully believes this is the only way to win this game, it would seem nonsensical to to go and and do things the other way. So it's almost between a rock and a hard place. Um, So I do feel for him a little bit in that sense. But equally, I don't think this is going to be the way forward for Norwich, to be honest. I don't see them under any head coach playing defensive football for the next two or three years. I think either Wagner ad- adapts to how Napa wants to do things. It's either that or Norwich are in a, a, a splintered a splintered situation where different people want different things and you're back in that sort of pre-sporting director model of a manager who's responsible for signing players and like a, a chief executive who's responsible for the money. The manager just wants to spend £10 million on... Stephen Naismith or whatever, you know, a bit less money but you know, let's say for example the, the manager wants to buy Stephen Naismith because all he's concerned with is his own idea the chief executive is thinking about spending money on the training ground and everyone's just got different ideas the whole reason for this sporting director model where one person who has experience in the football world sets an idea for a club is so that things can move in the same direction so that there can be a clear plan and a clear identity about a football club that for me was what was so enjoyable about that that earlier Farka weather. I, I feel a bit bad because we're referencing Farka quite a lot, but that was the last time it was good, right? So that sort of makes sense. Um, one of the most enjoyable elements for me then, when I was a fan, um, was just it all it, knowing the identity of the football club, knowing that it was almost fun in a way to look at clubs doing what Norwich are doing now, and going. Oh, that's a bit that's a bit championship-y Norwich wouldn't do that whereas now there's just this splinter and I want to see one direction from Napa and I don't think Wagner's current style of play allows for that to be honest if if Napa is going to, to, to aim for this style of play which we expect and I, I think he will personally
0: yeah, it's, it's it's difficult for Wagner because unless he's had a communication from Ben, and we don't know that he has or that he hasn't, that he has but unless he's had a communication of Ben Napper, which is, no, crack on, it, 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 do it your way, your principles. If you lose games, so be it, we'll back you. Then I, I guess it's very difficult for him to go down that route, continue to lose games, and then for him to say, well, you know, I kind of stuck by one of my beliefs because, yeah. it, it, you know, it's... It, that's a very moral way to do it, but it doesn't necessarily keep you in a job. So every, every head coach is different, and that, I guess, points to the heart of, of what, he's, what he's done. And um, I, th- I think there's, there's also a wider point, and just, which will kind of be an apt place to end part one and, uh, as we move into part two. But you, you kind of referenced there the one direction. You weren't talking about Harry Styles and Zayn Malik and all of those <laughs> I characters. That did come into my head. Um, <laughs>
1: me.
0: uh, you, you, you meant in terms of unity. Um, I got that sense to that car Road, and I've had it for a while, And and I'm not blaming the fans for it at all, but it's just a really flat atmosphere. And I think there is that element of kind of um, uncertainty, maybe, about what they are being asked to believe in. Because, again, and you've kind of summed it up nicely there, it kind of feels like you're back to a place where how they feel about their football team is in... And, of course, there is always an element of this, but is intrinsic to the result on the pitch. Whereas there's not this grand sense of togetherness or... Uh, com- not a community that's probably a bit deep and profound but this, this sense of um, right I've paid my money I'm going to turn up at car Road I'm going to watch a Norrie City team that plays like this yeah. there, there isn't that consistency maybe of thought that, that has existed previously and, and that I think is, is very difficult for supporters which probably lends us nicely into the, to, to part two and the next point that I want to raise about uh, age profiles and squad composition and all that fun stuff so uh, we'll join you in part two in just a moment you are of course listening watching the uh, pink and podcast reflecting on norwich city's 1-0 victory over qpr although probably talking a lot more around that and, <laughs> and the events and whatnot that happened uh, given that i think some people could have sat there knitting today and maybe uh, maybe found that a better source of entertainment. It wasn't the best game to watch, but Norwich City did record a crucial win. Um, one point that I did want to raise, Sam, and we were kind of having this conversation a little bit last night, was around uh, the average age of the team. NCFC numbers, as he does, has, uh, has crunched it. And uh, this is the oldest Norwich City team in terms of average age since the 1980s. It might even be 1980. Uh, it was an average age of Point. this afternoon which is uh, a championship high for for this season overtaking Sheffield Wednesday who had the previous high of 29.6 I think in a game um, that they played might even have been against Ipswich Town earlier on in the season Um, really interesting and really interesting for for a multitude of reasons Uh, and I guess that first and foremost is how that looks on the pitch and I think we saw a little bit of that today I thought Norwich looked quite laboured in uh, certainly their attacking efforts and, uh, and the way they went to attack it look, looked a bit one-dimensional at times beyond maybe the fullbacks pushing on and, and, and Jack Stacey in particular provided a real thrust down the down the right-hand side. But I think, again, not, I feel like we're doing a lot of project big picture um, uh, uh, today, but there, there, there is again an element of that because when you are Norwich and you're so reliant on player trading to have a team with that much and again I, I, I haven't had an answer yet and haven't looked into it that deeply but it must be the first time for a while that Norwich have played a game without an academy graduate in their, in, in, in their starting 11. Of course I'm, as a counter Norwich City's bench on average was an age of 21 so there, there was a real contrast between the, the starting 11 and, uh, and the bench. Um, what, what do you make of that? Because it, it is so different to what we've seen in, in years gone by from Norwich City. David Wagner has been quite big on experience. We spoke to Ben Napper. We know he thinks that the average age of the squad is too high. He wants to bring it down. We spoke um, before the, the break at the end of part one about contradictions. This is another one, isn't it? In terms of, uh, of where the, the age profile is at the play, uh, uh, in this team. Because Norwich City, uh, a team who have lived and are very and have to be very active in terms of player trading not really viable for them to have a team that is an average age of, of, of 30. There are so many ways you
1: can break this down and, and make it a nonsensical an argument. And I just don't... I don't see where in the arguments against having a, a super high age profile as as Wagner and, and Weber have now recruited, Where where is the argument for it being successful? That What, what proof is there out there of teams that have... Purely based on experience, not really with a lot of pace or, or technicality, gone and got promoted to the Premier League, even in the last sort of 20 years. What evidence is there that having an older squad, having more experience in your squad generally, um, gives you a, a higher chance of being successful in the Championship? I think a good squad is a, a balanced squad. Um, there's never been a, a squad that's been full of 32 year olds, and that's just been the best um, because of. Of experience, It's all just sort of cliches and words without really any sort of backing. And then you move on to the other elements. Obviously, you spoke about the the sort of saleability and the financial aspect. We've just seen in recent accounts that Norris City are £96 million in debt. The main thing missing from their accounts this season and why they lost £27 million, or last season, sorry, and why they lost £27 million was player sales, So they've combated that by signing loads of players who will have little or no resale value. Which of their players that they signed in the summer, realistically, apart from Borja Sainth, could they sell for more than a million pounds, even in a year? If they they have a good year, who could they sell for more than a million pounds, even still? And it just seems just absolutely... Uh, nonsensical, then you look at Wagner's style of play, which is another reason why it doesn't work, he wants to have high pressing and energy and quick transition, we saw today and, and you were highlighting it earlier, to give you credit you could see in the team where they counter-attacked, it was one of the full-backs who I think, were, the, were they the two youngest players, apart from Sarah yeah, they would have been Sarah, the two youngest were, yeah. and it was one of those two bombing forward, looking up having no option, turning around and, and playing it backwards to one of their older teammates. And you look at that and you think, which part of this current philosophy at this football club, even if you look at the splint in elements that have been there before and that Wagner's introduced, Wagner's style of play, the financial situation, the commitment to producing from your academy, which of those pillars is in line with having a really old squad? It's not even like we can just point at it and say, OK, it's the head coach who's responsible for short-term results at odds with a sporting director who... Is looking at the mid and longer term as well. Wagner's own ideology in terms of how he wants a team to play dictates that you're going to struggle with an especially old team, and it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me in any in any way. I know you you asked him um, earlier after the game about that age profile, so maybe you can shed some more light on it and, and some more light on why Wagner feels like that is the best thing to do. But it didn't sound like he was. Particularly focused on it, to be honest. Um, and given he was somebody who, in the summer, was talking about experience, experience, experience. Before the transfer window, we were asking him, yeah. "What do you want to do?" And he spoke about, "We need more experience. That's what we want to do." Yeah, I've got, I've gone off on a rant. No, no, no. no I, th- I, th- I think I it,
0: think it, it is a fair point. And again, it's it lends into. And maybe it's a reflection of the game that we haven't spoken that much about it. But it lends in, I think, to a lot of where uh, and probably lends into a bit of where the fans are as well. This, yeah. and, and, and maybe even some of the narrative that's formed around David Wagner. You mentioned kind of this, the sporting director element. Um, but, but there's also not really much about him at the moment that is screaming long term. And that's reflected yeah. in a lot of the teams that he's picking because of the age profile of them. The fact that he's kind of wedded himself to this kind of experienced big, strong, muscly men in the dressing room kind of dynamic to it, which is, which is fine, but it's about balance, right? Yeah. And at the moment, Norwich have 11 players over, over 30. Seven of those are contracted beyond the end of this season. Um, it's not going to be a quick fix. And, and I think to, to contrast this, because there'll be a lot of people asking about the situation that Norwich inherited and, and Stuart Webber inherited in March 2016, 17, 16, uh, 17. 17. Um, they had 14 players over the age of 30. So it's, it's not radically different. It's, yeah. it, they were slightly worse off. They had slightly slightly more in that department. But it's um, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic that they find themselves in. And, and what that has taught us is that takes quite a while to unpick yeah. because particularly when you've got players who are on multi-year deals, be it one, be it two... Um, like you said quite often finding a buyer for those players is extremely difficult it because costs of their the money into,
1: like you think about the Steven Lacywith bonus etc actually yeah. cost them money in the end with that, that group as
0: well yeah, yeah exactly and, and and also like the way i look at it and, and the way i have looked at it i think i might have said this before and, and you're right there's there's no data at all that suggests packing your team with loads of players yeah. who have loads of games in the championship uh, equates to success because if they did that then uh, the teams who came down and the teams vying promotion they would have been signing Ashley Barnes and Shane Duffy and Adam Forshaw and all the rest of them um there's no kind of evidence for that I think it's just just one of those kind of not myths but it's one of those things that people say in in football and it's kind of like everyone just kind of oh yeah that's right he does he's played loads of games at this level therefore he knows it but often if someone's played a lot of games at a level of football then quite often that's their level yeah um so and of course it's right to say as well, that doesn't mean that any, as, as I've seen uh, the point made as well, that any player over 30 is bad. Centre-backs, for example, tend to peak when they're 30. Uh, that tends to be their prime years. But by the same token, do you need free centre-backs who are over the age of 30? Probably not. It's about balance. Do you need, uh, in, in the same way, in a wider point, in terms of squad composition, do you need six wingers? Probably not. That's probably too many, uh, especially when you don't have any recognised defensive midfielders or any recognised central attacking midfielders. So this this maybe lends into the the, the bigger task that Ben Napper's got um, on his hands, and and, and that probably um, is is where we're at now because we've spoken about the age of the squad, the composition of the squad, um, for all of the focus as it has been in his first two weeks in charge has been about. David Wagner, and coming to a decision over head coach, and, and, and it's a very important one. I think that this, this, this point about squad has also been really underplayed. You mentioned the financial situation as well. Uh, I think he's going to have to go with a, a begging bowl, essentially, to Mark <laughs> Atanasio when, when he comes over to, to the AGM this week uh, to try and get some funds, any funds for January that, that he can accrue. Um, otherwise, Norwich will, will have to sell to buy, essentially. Yeah it's going to be really difficult to kind of change the face and, and dynamic of, of this squad into where he wants it to be, which, you know, as, as as we've said already, is one that's significantly younger than what we're seeing at the moment. Yeah, I feel for him a little bit
1: because he will automatically be judged on January because sporting directors are judged on recruitment. I actually spoke to him a little bit about it, about the, the fact that maybe in this country, especially people see sporting director as almost a glorified head of recruitment. He was... He was quick to to point out that wasn't the case that actually there are a lot of elements but the perception isn't that that's the case the perception is that he should be judged on recruitment mainly you look at Weber and he's judging a lot on managerial appointments but mainly people look at the recruitment failings and successes mm. and and they give him those dues or criticism based on um, how successful those windows were and he goes into January knowing this is a the first real time he can be judged apart from Wagner which now seems to have died down a little bit the the desperation for him to go not because I think people think he's the right man but because they realise probably it isn't happening in the next two weeks and he looks at it and probably goes yeah okay January is going to be a big a big opportunity um for him but bearing all that context in mind is it really going to be that much of an opportunity for him you you outlined the sort of financial parameters there and unless somebody's you know somebody high up in the club is going to give Ben Lapper a helping hand it's going to be the same old Norwich in January situation of either having to sell to buy or probably doing one or two deals around the edges with loans or or freeze or or something like that Um, and I feel for him a little bit because he does feel like somebody who wants to make an impact on the squad you obviously spoke about trying to get that age profile down and it's getting tough, it? it's going to be really difficult especially in january uh, at least you look at the summer and he's got a couple of a couple of easy wins obviously it's up to him to judge which of those older players he wants to keep in the squad because i imagine he will probably still want two or three at least, because as I said, it's all but, about balance. But, but even
0: then, of, of that kind of quota that we've listed, it's what Ben Gibson, Danny Bart, and for Adam sure. Forshaw are yeah. out of consciousness. You're only losing three. Though. Yeah,
1: yeah, but yeah. So he doesn't have enough options really to make it easy for him in summer. In the summer, but at least he has some options. Yeah, in January, yeah. it's really, really difficult to to really do much at all. So I feel for him actually um, quite a lot. It's quite different to the Weber scenario because. Weber came in yes he came in technically in the middle of a season but it was the middle of a season that basically the club had already written off by putting Alan Irvine yeah, yeah. in charge of um, temporarily and then he had the whole of a summer not just even the start of the transfer window he had right from April to you know September the 1st or whatever to to actually plan that window and execute that window. Whereas Napa comes in in the middle of a season, somehow has to navigate how to make an impact on this team when he's not even the one responsible for for results in the short term. And people will be looking at January as his first real test as Norwich City Sporting Director. And we've seen traditionally how difficult it is for a club um, of city size to to do things and the financial situation to do things in that window. So I'm sure he's desperate to make changes. I hope if they don't manage to make a lot of changes, which obviously we'll we'll see, but it will be difficult, that people don't go, oh, Napa's, you know, Napa's got the same ideas as Wagner. Napa's happy with this squad. Things aren't going to change. I do get the sense he does want to make a change and that there is an appetite for that to happen. But you just look at the, the sort of facilities and the resources he has available to him, and in the short short term, there's not really as he can do, in my view. I'm sure he will give it his best shot and hopefully we see some some slight improvements. But, yeah, I'd be
0: shocked if there's any sort of rebuild or overhaul happening in, in a January. Yeah, we, we met him in, in the first week of the international break. Um, sadly, there wasn't an opportunity to ask him questions on the record and, and, and um, hopefully there is an opportunity at some point in the future to, to do that because I think actually in the in the time that we spent from him He's uh, an incredibly different figure maybe to the one that we, yeah. we saw in that club interview where uh, some, someone said to me he looked a bit green and I think maybe that's, that's the best way to describe it but it was such a big moment for him in a, in a role that he's been working so hard to and I was maybe kind of, I don't want to use the word awkward because I don't think that's fair, I don't think he was awkward in, in that interview but uh, I think there was, there, there was probably an element of um, realisation on his part that goodness me i'm speaking in a it's a big role i'm, I'm speaking about a lot of stuff you know um and, and i was kind of expecting that when when he walked into the room and he was actually a lot more open and a lot yeah. more warm and actually i left feeling he's quite taller a lot more taller than he's, i than i was expecting tall, yeah. um so 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 there you go there's a big kind of takeaway but uh i i i was i was um really impressed i think i think the the view that i got is he's someone who's going to be logical and considered, and he's not going to do anything rash, which is why we haven't seen David Wagner dismissed in his opening two weeks. And I think we spoke on the last pod about why that wasn't going to be the case anyway, and why it probably wouldn't have been right to be the case anyway. And there's also, you know, as, as you say, an element of we're in November, nearly December now. Um, it's very difficult, I think, at this point to hit reset on the season yeah. when, you're, when you're in It's a lot easier when you're in Stuart Webber's position in March you, yeah. to do that in November when you've got. Oh goodness me! What, nearly 30 games the PR ahead of that you? Is yeah. Survive it, yeah. Exactly, particularly when you've got season tickets and whatnot yeah. to sell as well, it becomes very difficult. So, the reality of him doing that was always going to be very, very difficult. One thing I did like, which I did want to mention, is uh, and and this might have been the case under Stuart Weber, but I'm not sure it was ever publicly said, is that he's he's going to have a, a real say in in terms of uh, the women's team. Flo Allen's going to be reporting into him, which is really good. He's someone who's been at Arsenal. They've had a flourishing women's team for as long as time really, as long as the the game has, has really picked up in the last decade or so. So that's really good. Um, and i was really pleased to to hear that as well and um yeah obviously wish him the best of luck it's a it's a massive role and um you know i don't envy him and and, and the decisions that, that he's going to make and uh yeah particularly when there's that expectation for fast change so we'll see what happens in that regard um let's let's speak very quickly as well before we get to what's going to be a very very busy Loro City week for a multitude of reasons um about huang uh huang yuzhou obviously today's goal scorer um really really uh took his goal really well I thought it was a tireless performance I know you kind of pointed out that he didn't touch the ball much but I thought there was a lot of energy and a lot of work rate and a lot of willingness um I thought it was a very clever piece of movement to actually evade the offside trap in the way that he did and create the the run that Gabriel Sarah he has to pick out and pick yeah, it out superbly, was, yeah. he does. But uh, it's, it's the initial movement and run that he did that. And as I said earlier, really beginning to see a, a blossoming, not just between him and Sarah but also I think McLean as well. Um, so that was good. But it's, it's been a really difficult time for him. I think that's fair to say. And we're not going to get into... Uh, the allegations and, and and what they mean. I'm sure people have uh, have seen them. If if, if they if, if they um you know uh, they will know what we're referring to in terms of the the active case that is going on in in South Korea. It's probably not fair for us to to discuss that in real depth and 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 certainly not to pass any commentary on it because uh, that would be. I think really silly in our position and actually in anyone's position to do that, um, particularly when it's happening on the other side of the world. So I'd, I'd be I'd just urge everyone to be very mindful of that. But there is obviously this active situation that is going in terms of him personally and uh, a situation with with a young woman in in, in, in South Korea. He was uh, questioned by the police over the international break, um, as was reported in in Korea as well. It's an ongoing situation. Jurgen Klinsmann was was asked about it. It's. I guess um, from, from a Norwich City perspective, and worth uh, mentioning as well, these allegations predate his time at, at Norwich City, so, so worth mentioning that. And they are just allegations. Nothing's been kind of proven. Um, for him to to perform in that with with the backdrop of everything going on, irrespective of, of all of those elements, uh, is, I guess, what, what did you make of, of him today? Ashley Barnes coming back, that striking debate hotting up. It was a good goal and, and maybe proof that, and we saw it at Sunderland as well, that there's definitely... Someone in there who's capable of, of finishing and, and finishing chance as well.
1: Yeah, as you say, it's quite
0: quite difficult for us to pass
1: comment on what's happening off the pitch, but on the pitch, I, I think he's maybe a better player than a lot of people have given him credit for. I wonder if we're looking at a Is bit that of fitness
0: a, adaptation. What do you
1: think? That? Uh, I I don't think he suits David Wagner's system. To be honest, I, I think you don't? he's no. I think he's a a good player who's technically good, uh, works hard. Has a lot of legs for somebody of his age. I'd suggest, um, to be fair. Only
0: Thirty-one. Yeah, but th-
1: yeah, <laughs> sounding like David Wagner now, Um Thirty-one to be fair for a striker, yeah, I isn't you, you know, is I know is fairly old. And um, I think he he moves better than you might have expected from somebody of of his size. 31 year he don't. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. No, no, no. Um, and technically, I think he's really good. He's a, a good finisher. His touch isn't bad, but. He's not really going to win too many headers, especially when you consider his size and sort of if you compare him to other strikers of that size. I'm not sure he really offers the same physical, almost intimidating presence that Josh Sargent offers. Uh, If you're a defender, um, yeah, pressing-wise, I I think he's got the willingness to run, but maybe not the intelligence that the likes of of Josh Sargent and Ashley Barton's have. Uh, And, yeah, I just don't think he really suits... Wagner's uh Wagner's system so if there was a, a scouting process to sign him which you know there must have been at least a limited one uh but obviously the sergeant situation forced them into the market fairly late on I think that injury happened maybe five or six days uh before the 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 market drew to a close but if there was a, a scouting process maybe they didn't do enough due diligence as to uh where they would fit in as a sort of sergeant replacement, you know, especially given, I think a couple of weeks after that, Wagner basically admit, admitted he was asking his strikers to play exactly the same roles, no matter who they, who they were. Obviously, you have to consider the sort of finances uh, that Norwich had available to them at the time, as well. So yeah, I think uh, on that side of things, he maybe wasn't the best signing, but I think he's actually a pretty decent player. You look at his goal scoring record. Uh, I think he scored 28 goals in le- less than 100 games for Bordeaux in, in League One, which is obviously League One, sorry, which is obviously a <laughs> poor French for me, which is obviously a, a, a top flight in Europe, one of the best leagues in the world, uh, and he's got a decent goal scoring record elsewhere. Obviously, hasn't hit the, the ground running in England, hasn't been able to get into the Nottingham Forest team ahead of. Yeah, almost a cast of thousands at times, and everybody knows how they've conducted their transfer business. But he has got a decent record. He's got a decent record at international level as well. And I think he's shown signs of of why that is. Today actually was a really good finish. I thought he'd allowed Begovic to come a bit too close to him, but actually it was perfect quite timing. Wide, wasn't he? Yeah, to to go and and slot right into the corner was a good finish. Really good finish against Sunderland as well. Actually, from from quite far out to just. Uh, Place that one in the bottom corner and I think his touch is actually the touch from this one was actually quite good as well so I think he's shown that technically he has the capabilities I just I wonder if we're in almost a bit of a Ricky Van Wolfswinkel and uh, Chris Hutton situation again in terms of the player being there but not really the applicability to to a system um, so I think he could do a job I can see why Wagner puts him in the team I think if I was Adam Ida for this one I would have been quite irritated but then you know he's he's gone and proven himself uh, with a goal with probably that pass and that finish were the two moments of quality Norwich really produced in in the whole game. So yeah, I think he's probably proven quite a lot of people wrong uh, with that finish. He's probably done enough to to stay in the team, which. Uh, at present time probably means he'll be right out of here. But, uh, yeah, I think think he's a better player than a lot of people give him credit for. But I can understand, especially given the lack of involvement. Um, You you mentioned that lack of touches. He actually touched the ball 15 times today, which was the least out of anyone on the pitch um, or anyone that started the game, sorry. Um, So... Yeah, I think I can see why people maybe are frustrated with him and and feel like he doesn't make as much of an impact. But overall, strikers don't really make that much of an impact on games anyway. They're defined by moments. And uh, yeah, he produced a really good one that eventually won Norwich the game. So, yeah, I think he's maybe been slightly underrated and probably has earned a little bit more more respect uh, today That. That maybe hasn't come his way, especially given the fact he's been in in such a, a struggling team, which is always difficult uh, for a striker. You know, it's now quite an interesting debate actually up front with Wang in form, uh, Ida in relatively good form. He's he's already scored more goals this season than in any other, any other season. Looks like Barnes is, is basically a, a shoe in for Wagner um, at any time. Obviously, been out now for two months. He comes back and plays ninety minutes. So, yeah, a bit of a a situation hotly off in the in the striker department especially with Sargent to come back as well so i suppose that's a, a positive it feels quite weird to be searching for positives in this way after a win um but in a performance of quite a lot of negatives i think his performance was actually actually quite a positive overall
0: yeah i i would agree uh, just a correction i think those goals were in league but um were they i think i think i think they i think oh, they, i think, God, they, I I think they were but i could i could just see someone uh pouncing on oh, that in okay. the comments so uh for our south korean viewers <laughs> I'm, they're they're in they're in league <laughs> Do, i'm pr- i'm pretty sure um but still a very very good um very good goal scoring record. Uh, really, really important, busy week for Norrie City now. Obviously they, they head to Watford on Tuesday for Road. We we will be there. I think that's going to be a really fascinating game for a multitude of reasons. I think we, we spoke we had a long discussion about performances and results.
1: Fascinating if not entertaining. Yeah I
0: think I think that's uh, that's a team right there who's been performing a lot better than actually their results have, have suggested and are, are very difficult to play against. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say their league position is, is reflective of, of them. And then Bristol City are under new management as well under under Liam Manning. Norwich family in Manning yeah. so that's so that's going to be really interesting so let's deal with that first Sam um usually we do points tallies but I'm, I'm, I don't I, I don't think I'm going to hold us to that this time so um two two part question I guess what do you want to see from Norwich City what do you think we'll see from Norwich City uh well, if you want to give points go for it
1: yeah Uh, Well, I'll give points. I'll I'll give points. Um, I'll leave that for the end. Okay. Bit of suspense, keep them hanging on. Exactly. Uh, Leave them wanting more. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, What I want is some bold team selections, but in a nice way. Um,
0: Okay, what constitutes bold for you?
1: Probably dropping Ashley Barnes. I think that's that's bold. Uh, I don't think he really impressed me. We haven't really got round to it, but didn't do a lot. Ended up getting praised by his teammates again for... The same sort of houssery, yeah. Which yeah, it's a bit like the experience age point. I'm not sure there really is data there to suggest that. I just rather any, win games for quality. Exactly. Economies. Exactly. Any of those? Do any of those characteristics really? Do they justify? They're nice, aren't they? I, they?
0: I think they're nice added extras, but they, they should yeah. never be leaned upon. But you know they, I do,
1: I but those extra his antics in the last two minutes don't justify his wages in my view. Uh, in terms of, yeah, they're not the only reason he's
0: there. Is what yeah, saying. yeah, yeah. yeah of um,
1: that's not why he's been brought there, and yet it's the reason—the only reason he really gets complimented, uh, which I think is, is quite strange and probably suggests when he's he's not played amazingly. But, no, to, to focus on the team selection, uh, a b- b- bit of youth. I mean, it, it's quite... I just think you want balance in the team. And there aren't too many people that I think played badly enough today to actually drop them, but why not give Borja Sainthe a, a chance? You know, Hernandez wasn't especially... Especially good today. Fastnap was pretty absent uh, as well. Why not just give give people a chance and try something when it's it's not working? Um, well, I suppose Wagner might say it is working, but performance-wise, it doesn't feel like it is. So a bit of boldness in that sense. Bit more possession. Uh, just you know. A
0: bit more uh, control.
1: Yeah, control yeah. Uh, as much as uh, as much as we're not there purely for entertainment like we might be for people who who pay to to be there to watch their team. I'm still somebody who's associated with Norwich, who's more entertained watching Norwich pass the ball around than watching QPR or Watford or Bristol City pass the ball around. So I'd like to see a game where Norwich make it about themselves a bit more. Wagner actually talks about that all the time, about focusing on themselves, not focusing too much on the opposition and making it about their strengths. So I'd like to see a little bit of that as well. Uh, and then just uh, just overall a bit, bit better performances is a bit obvious. But um, yeah, I don't know. Is there
0: anything you'd add that you, you'd want to see? Uh, just some coherent thought, I think Yeah. You know, some consistency of thought Running through their performances yeah. I, I think, you know, we, we haven't really seen that Like, so a really good example is the second half at Cardiff Where, again, and again leaning into a little bit of game state But uh, that for me if, if you wanted to say there were positive signs that Their approach, their intent was a lot better yeah. But then you don't see that intent today really at all no. In terms of going and chasing a game yeah. Why do you have to be behind to do that? You know, why can't you do that from the off? I'd just like to see that kind of, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to play. And I think almost now, more than ever, the fact that you come off back-to-back wins, there should be confidence in the group. He should now, for all of those kind of elements that we spoke about earlier, he should now have the, that foundation to be able to go, right, we've done the hard bit, we've broken the trend, now we build. Yeah. So now I want to see the building. Um, and if that doesn't take place and, and we still see this kind of uh, multifaceted approach to every single yeah. game... That I think would be problematic for me. So, so that's that's kind of what what I want to see. And then I I, I guess the, the final point to raise, of course, is that on on Thursday night, uh, Norwich City shareholders. Before we come to Sam's points predictions, <laughs> and yours, that, I've that that, uh, I'll get I'll, I'll give one now because <laughs> okay. I have to really because there's only two of us. So yeah. I can't I can't I can't hide away from it or yeah. squirm out of it. Um, but on Thursday night, uh, shareholders and ourselves, we will be there. Um, we'll be at a City's annual general meeting. Of course, this is the opportunity for shareholders to put their pressing questions to Norwich city's top brass uh, mark atanasio will be there ben napper will be there i think it's going to be a really interesting evening it may answer some of the big uh, picture points that we've made throughout this podcast we'll hopefully have a, a conversation with somebody to bring to you um after that event excuse me takes place so that's going to be really fascinating. So, watch out for that on Thursday night. Obviously, that punctuates games um, at Vicarage Road and then Bristol City, which is on Sunday. Don't forget, like I keep forgetting. Uh, and that's 130 a. 1.30 as well. That's, a, so that's a 1.30 kickoff because of something called rugby. Oh, I don't know. don't oh, know what A whole waste of don't, time don't, that's out don't, of know, luck. don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we're, we're the wrong kind of people, as you can see, <laughs> to be just discussing rugby. Right, points predictions. Let's close the pod with this. Six points on offer. How many are Norwich City going to get from these two games, Samuel? Uh, one. <laughs> How many?
1: I went more positive than I could have. I was genuinely considering... Do you know what I
0: said? And, and I mapped this out to you yesterday, so you can back me up on this. I said, and I said this in team news as well, I said Norwich would win 1-0 today, but it would be... A scruffy performance that didn't really satisfy anyone. To be anyone. fair, we've
1: let's just give ourselves credit. we've done very well with the prediction. We've uh-huh. predicted exactly the sort of occasion. I, I think
0: the, the the only bit that I said was wrong was I said Kenny McLean was going to score a deflected yeah. goal, but it was actually it, a it, score, was, it was a good goal. It, a bit, it, but, yeah. it was it was a good goal. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, and then I said, and I felt this. I, I, I was thinking about this walking to Carol Road today actually because that's the sad life that I lead. <laughs> um, and I was thinking, I think Norwich are going to get beat in both of them. Yeah, you did say. Fair play. So I I didn't really want to do points and end on a negative yeah. element but I I struggle to see them getting a, a point. I really hope I'm wrong. I think if you can win one of them, I think that would be fantastic. Obviously. I maybe feel that there's an more chance of doing that against Bristol City I than mean, than ooh. Watford, but
1: Yeah, yeah, maybe I would agree with that. I think Watford have better players. And it's just we I I completely blanked that three uh, 0 out of my head actually. I went on a like a Watford fan podcast. Like as like the opposition preview type thing. And I said, oh, Norwich always lose at Vicarage Road. I, I completely forgot about that, 3-0. But apart from that, it does feel like a pretty bleak place for Norwich to go. It, I remember going there I this, they've got a,
0: great
1: a Saturday last year. It's
0: always like it? midweek or evening it's as well. always in the evening, yeah.
1: always. I can't remember the last yeah. time Norwich played at Vicarage Road in the, in the daylight. But yeah, it doesn't feel like an especially exciting place to go. Wasn't that where Isaac Hayden made his, his Norwich City debut? Yeah,
0: uh, yeah it was. Let's, um, let's end on a positive. Sam, give me a positive to end on. That's a long, <laughs> that's a very long pause. Um, two wins and two. No, oh, today, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant this just, week. Just in, just in general, yeah, they've just yeah. positive to momentum. All. Momentum. There we go. Two wins into uh, first clean sheet in Danny eight. Bart's all
1: right. There's a positive. Yeah, he's been
0: pretty decent. Let's uh, let well momentum, as uh, as the gentleman to my right says. Let's see uh, where Norwich City can go and where they can take this uh, this turned form and improved form. Uh, on from here thank you very much for watching for listening and we'll see you again next week